welcome to the Janaza Podcast, where you get to peek behind the curtains of what it takes to create and run a seven-figure fitness facility that ranks in the top 5% of boutique fitness studios for revenue. But to be honest, that's the least important thing about us. Founded by me, Michael Hughes, Gymnazo has created an ecosystem of services that blend performance with restoration techniques and attracts top coaches to its facility. Hosted by its owners, Peyton and myself, and our top coaches, this podcast shares our best practices on everything from how to build a sustainable fitness business, to how to program for maximum results, to how to build a hybrid training module that's online and in person. We have marketing secrets, movement innovation, and breaking down trends in the industry. If you're a fitness professional or a fitness business owner, this is where you learn how to sharpen your skills and to see maximum results. Welcome back to the Gymnazo Podcast. This one's going to be a special podcast, just going to be myself, CJ Kobliska, talking to the mic and talking to y'all. I hope you enjoy the story of my life. We're not going to dive in too deep to the stories of my life, but uh, specifically what I found valuable along this path, this journey uh, in fitness, in wellness, in health, in play, in flow, kind of in everything that I currently do, um, and with Gymnazo. So I try, I'll try not to get too tangenty. Maybe that'll be actually what this podcast is all about, is tangents and stories. Um, but I like to start out by telling you what I currently do, because I wear a lot of hats. And uh, a lot of see me people see me in different lights um, at Gymnazo, at different times of day, different times of the week, different times of the year. So I want to clear that up. Um, it's not so clear. It's not so simple. It really is uh, uh, an evolving role here at Gymnazo that I'm currently in, um, which I love. Um, I love to change, love to adapt, I love to grow, I love to learn, I love to do new things, I love to bring communities together, I love to explore myself and really dive into a lot of the principles and practices that I've been taught and I've developed over the years. So really my title here at Gymnazo right now is Director of Programming. I oversee all the programming for G1, G2, G3 level, basically differing in complexity and levels of impact, um, and oversee the semi-private programming, individualized programming, and basically the programming that goes on inside of Gymnazo's walls, stuff that goes on for virtual, um, stuff that you may not even see in Gymnazo, but more so on our on-the-go app, I'll oversee those programs. And a lot of my job with Director of Programming is to... Make sure there's purpose, to understand purpose and meaning in our programs, not just to do something because it looks cool, although that can be a purpose too. Party tricks are awesome. Um, I, I know quite a few of them. Uh, but it's much more about just understanding the why behind the what of the programming. So if anybody has a question, whether it be a coach or an athlete, that question can be answered with more depth and follow-up to provide more of a deeper experience. Um, in whatever movement or training they are doing or we are doing. In addition to director of programming, which again, I absolutely love, and that's evolved over the years from just programming G2 to programming force and velocities, for those of you that have been here for a long time with us, uh, to then taking over the G1 programming and then eventually the G3 programming and then the whole programming became one big unit uh, that we turned into something really exciting that we see every quarter here at Gymnazo. 
Um, in addition to this role, I'm also a movement practitioner. So I will literally assess movement. I'll help people get out of pain, discomforts, develop new performance gains, um, understand different principles of training and different methodologies. Maybe it's a flow. Maybe it's a specific principle relating to locomotion. Maybe they just want to jump better. Maybe they want to get out of um, shoulder pain specifically after a surgery or a random knee pain has popped up. Let's figure out what's going on in this acute sense. So movement practitioner, director of programming. I've been the manager of the coaching team as well the past few years, um, just developing our coaches in terms of education on a weekly basis, keeping us all up to date with our skills, our practices, our lenses, keeping them clean for 3D movement and chain reaction biomechanics, and hopefully just instilling some passion and excitement into our atmosphere. So that's been super exciting. I'll be shifting from that role um, into this next year, but sticking around with the programming and the movement practitioner. So super fun things that I do here at Gymnazo, but never um, that I ever thought I'd be doing what I'm doing right now. And again, like I said, continues to evolve. So next year, it's going to be even a more exciting role. And the year after that, I think it'll just continue to evolve and grow with myself. But over the past few years, um, I've, I've worked up to this. It's been a lot of hard work, been pioneering um, this position, been kind of paving the way uh, for coaches to, st- or trainers to step out of just a part-time kind of burnout role into something more full-time, more fulfilling, and uh, again, more purposeful, more passion-driven. I'm extremely passionate about movement. I'm extremely passionate about the sun, the earth, the moon, the stars, nature in general, birds chirping, bodies dancing, people singing. It's just absolutely beautiful in my mind. Um, And I like to take advantage and squeeze literally every ounce of juice out of every moment. And if I can't do that, um, I get really upset. Um, but there's really not a time when I don't do that. So I'm always squeezing the juice out. They call me the maximizer. That is my number one strengths on Strengths Finder. Shout out all you maximizers out there. You're living a rough, exciting journey to always pull everything out of every single moment. It's like being in a candy store and wanting to try every single piece of candy once and then make sure you try it again and again and again to find the perfect combination of candies in that candy store. It never ends. It's always there's always more fruits to be shared and juiced. So, maximizers, stay tuned. There's more excitement to be shared. When I started at Gymnazo in 2014, so about seven years ago, um, I was a senior at Cal Poly, getting ready to graduate. And the only way I was going to graduate from Poly was with an internship. And I had no idea what kind of internship I wanted to do. I also wasn't actively searching. And believe it or not, as I was approaching the last half of my senior year, Ms. Peyton Hughes and Sebastian Zorn had walked into my classroom. Nutrition class, uh, which is super exciting. A lot of depth and detail in there. Had a couple buddies and friends in there. Um, And we got a little break from the lesson plan. We had Peyton and, and Sebastian walk in. Hayden uh, being co-owner, Gymnazo, and the Sebastian Zorn, who was this rock-solid lacrosse player, man. He was he's built. I wanted to be like him. I was like, well, I'm going to listen to this guy. He's a coach here at Gymnazo? All right. That sounds pretty cool. It sounds kind of fun. Functional training, 3D movement, chain reaction biomechanics, a lot of terms I hadn't heard before put together, but just started blowing my mind. I was like, this sounds really fun. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to apply 
mainly because I needed the internship to graduate, not because gymnasium is amazing and spectacular and magical. I had no idea about that. <laughs> I just needed to graduate from college, and I didn't want to be a super senior. Spent another year, another bout of money, and uh, I just wanted to get on, get on to the next stage. College was great, but uh, I was ready for something else. At this time, I was also working at a uh, moving company, driving big trucks, moving heavy objects, spending you know eight to twelve hours moving somebody's house from one location to another, and uh, got my workout on. But I felt like I wasn't really using my uh, my degree. I really wasn't maximizing what I could do with my knowledge of the human body and my experiences from the past. And so it's already kind of on my mind um, of shifting gears from from meathead movers to uh, to something more in fitness or more in movement, more in health, wellness. I just didn't know what it was. So, Baden and Seb, back to the story. They talk about the internship. I basically apply right there on the spot. My buddy also applies. A few others also apply. And um, this was competitive. Like, there was only, I think, four spots. And they had a good dozen or more apply, I think, just from that one class. So, I was like, please, I need this internship. This sounds like the perfect thing. I go in for an interview, uh, I think, about a week later. And holy shit, my mind was blown. Like, I've never been in an interview where I learned something deeply about not only myself, but about the world and reality. Like, the very fabric of the space between me and the person interviewing me, his name is Lucas, Lucas Chatham. Didn't know how old he was, but I felt he was an old soul. Um, there were sparkles in the air between us. Like, I was, I felt all the four years I had spent at Poly set me up for this one moment and it was to shine to understand and to to grow even if I didn't get the internship that was that one interview uh, was enough to fuel my fire like my my body was lit up there was fireworks going off I could I could hardly contain myself right now I'm even kind of feeling a little giddy it was like so exciting but man so that, that interview is about an hour and a half two hours long I don't think it's supposed to go that long but I'm a chatty person and apparently Lucas was too. <laughs> so we, we get to know each other quite well. Um, and why this was so educational, why this was so such a profound interview was he'd asked me questions about things that I was doing in the moving company and kind of about leadership. And um, it got me really excited because I felt like I was in a place of purpose and I was speaking to a person who who got it, who understood it, who was like, I want to get to know your soul, not just who you are and what you've done, but what you're going to do. And I felt like he had ripped, uh, not ripped my heart out, but held my heart gracefully in his hands and said, I'm going to know you very well by the end of these two hours. And he did. And I don't think I knew him that much better. I didn't know how old he was, but um, regardless, it was a great conversation. And he'd asked me questions about uh, movement too. Like the part of the interview was a second secondary piece was questions about movement and injury and all right, if uh, some, if you had a lineman, ex-lineman come in who's now retired, has had tons of ankle injuries, surgeries and stuff, and they've got an unstable ankle, but they want to hop again without pain. They want to jump around. They want to go run, but they're in pain. They can't really do it right now. What's the approach you would take? What are the steps you'd take with this individual? you got to consider who they are, what they've done, where they're currently at right now physically, their level of success, and where they want to go and build a bridge. And this was one of the questions. And I, you know, I think I, th I think I thought, <laughs> I think I thought about a good answer, uh, which was, well, we're going to progress from, we're going to work some ankle mobility, test that, and then do some stabilization activities with squats, with lunges, 
um, some single leg balance work. Maybe we'll do some curls and some presses and then eventually start to work some pulsing single leg squats and progress that into maybe a little bit of a hop like onto a surface and then working, hopping on that surface and then hopping down from a surface or adding load to it. And I think I had a pretty good grasp of, uh, of the situation and kind of what that looked like, though I hadn't ever trained a ex-pro NFL lineman um, or anybody that big for that matter who had that many ankle injuries. But with uh, some critical thinking skills, I think I got there. And man, after that, I was shown kind of the key to a box of three-dimensional truths. Um, he had asked me, Lucas asked me, so what about all the other directions? You know, I, I showed squats up and down, forward and back. I sort of showed lunges forward and back and sideways and some single leg work with curls and some standard overhead presses single leg and in stride. But he said, okay, well, what, what ways can the ankle move? I was like, well, ankle flexion, dorsiflexion, plantar flexion. It's got uh, eversion, inversion. It's got internal rotation, external rotation, or horizontal abduction, horizontal adduction. And all these terms like, oh, man, this is really cool because I, I know these pieces, but I didn't know how to apply them. I didn't know how to integrate them into this situation. I was like, well, yeah, the ankle can do all these things, but uh, you want me to include that in his hops and squats and presses? And it was like... I just couldn't, I couldn't perceive of another answer. I was like, I took you through kind of the whole, the whole gamut of things. And I was just kind of relaying stuff from textbook with, but also some creativity in there of what um, I had done with my uh, post, post injury, post surgeries to reintegrate. And long story short, this is already a pretty long story. We can't get much, much longer than this, but, uh, he had said, well, what about if we jump and hop sideways? And then what if we also do that in rotation? I was like, well, that's, Pretty good idea, actually. That's a great progression. And then he showed me these jops that were two feet to one foot. It was a combination of a jump and a hop. And I was like, I've done the version of this, like with hopscotch, but this seems so much more intentional. This seems so much deeper. Like there's a thought process going into this that's obviously something that I have not connected with yet. So my mind was sparking in all these different directions. Like fires were started in so many good ways, like passion pits of fury, my right and left side of my brain, the top, the bottom. My gut was so happy. My heart was pounding so hard. I was so nervous. Like, did I even get the internship? Like, I don't know if I I interviewed well, but man, like I just wanted to express how excited I am that I've learned all this. And I gotten so pumped uh, in that session that I think that may have been what got me uh, into the internship, why, why I got accepted. But long story short, that I learned so much in that that hour, two hours with Lucas. So I thank you, man. I thank Gymnasio, the environment, for like holding me in that space and just allowing me to literally get sunlight and water all over these these seedlings inside of my brain and my heart that now have grown to be so much larger, thicker, more beautiful, and more sturdy. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And thank you, Cal Poly, for having me force me to get an internship to graduate. Because if I didn't, I probably would have done the internship. I probably just graduated and been cool with it and found something to do. And who knows where I would have ended up. So I appreciate you having me, uh, having held me accountable, Cal Poly, and for teaching me the groundwork, the foundations that will be applied so well and so vigorously in the years to come. Fast forward, graduated Poly 2015. I had been at Gymnazo now. Um, I, I did the internship in the, the fall, so it was like September through November. Um, and then it was a 10-week 10 10 week internship. And uh, 
got hired on in 2014 and basically just had sessions up the yin yang man it was it was 30 sessions a week weird time sometimes opening at 5:45 in the morning then closing at 6:30 7:30 at night um, not necessarily coaching the entire day but having a full day of coaching could mean two sessions in the morning, two sessions in the middle of the day, and two sessions at the end. That's six hours of coaching, but spread out over potentially 12 hours of a day. A few days a week like that, I was just so in it. I was meeting new people. I was learning how to help guide people and cue people through movement that wasn't so specific on form. It was much more on experience, what they felt, and uh, and understanding where they were, where they currently are, and where they're going, meaning if they came in with a very limited movement success and now they're doing a G1 class, that's big growth. And there's probably going to be some funkiness in their movements that we don't need to correct now because they are they have been getting corrected or more correct or more fluid, more intentional as their years at Gymnasio have um, progressed. So um, that was probably, probably like six months of that um, before graduating from Cal Poly. So I was working... Um, not every single day, obviously, but on the days I didn't have class, I'd be coming in for a fuller day, working in the afternoons or the mornings before class. And, uh, on those days that I didn't have class doing the opening and closing, working on the weekends. And I was putting in the hours, putting the time I had gone through great institutes certification in applied functional science, CAFS, because other coaches had uh, done that at Gymnazo and I, I wanted to be like them. So I, I, did the CAFS actually during the internship, which normally do it after. I did it during the internship, completed it pretty quick. That leveled me up so much faster in my le- my learning uh, and understanding of chain reaction biomechanics, of how the foot, the ankle, the knee, the hip, the spine, the shoulders, the elbows, the wrists, the head, everything works together, not just biologically, but also physically, meaning you get the forces that are working on you, like mass, momentum, ground reaction force, uh, gravity, all that good stuff. It's just out there. The forces are real. And then also behaviorally, how do we process these things internally? And having the biological, behavioral, and physical sciences put together in such a way that got me stoked about physics, it got me stoked about biology, got me stoked about psychology. I was like, man, I like these things. These are cool. But now I can actually use them in fitness and in training. Again, guys, I'm so passionate and blown away by all the cool things I picked up my first year through Gymnazo. And I'm very excited that uh, this is a shameless plug now um, that we have it all put into an MDMC program, our multidimensional movement coaching program, all online. Uh, We do coaching calls and basically take you through our 10-week internship process, extrapolated out even deeper layers of the interdimensionalities of fitness and of movement and in psychology and in physics. And let me tell you, just go check it out. If you don't want to do the whole MDMC experience, I don't blame you. It's a pretty big investment, um, but there are some science bundles in there that you can pick up too. So go check out that. Even on the Gymnazo On The Go app, there's quite a few things that you could pick up in terms of uh, education-wise through actual movements, not just sitting and learning and listening, but um, you're, you're also going to move. You're going to participate. And you're going to have to integrate the pieces that you pick up. And that's what I did, man. That's what I did for that whole first year. It was like... I it. Just so fast. There were so many things that I had done that by the end of that year, 
I was like, this is it. This is my life. This is what I was born to do. I'm born to serve people through movement, through fitness, through excitement, through smiles, through hugs, through heavy lifting, through camaraderie, through making people sweat. You got to perspire to inspire. Shout out Gary Gray. Thank you, bud, for that quote. Maybe it was Doug Gray that said that one, but perspire to inspire. It's the truth. It's the truth. And every exercise is a test and every test is an exercise. And that was so instilled in me. I understood what those words meant, not just told what they were meant, but every exercise is a test. Every test is an exercise. And I started developing my lenses for movement, understanding what was going on, where there's maybe a disconnect in somebody's coordination. Maybe they just don't have the right intention when they're doing the movement. So I need to help them understand that in themselves. And it's not just about position. It's not about form. It's about tension. It's about information that comes in through your body from the environment and out your body from inside of it. Just a whole bunch of words that I'm throwing at you guys. So hopefully that all stuck and you might want to rewind and soak that back in. But at the end of that year, I was asked to join uh, or apply rather for the Fellowship of Applied Functional Science, which is through the Gray Institute as well, but a much, much larger, heavier investment than CAFS. CAFS, a couple hundred bucks, go at your own pace. Um, you're going to pass if you do it. You need to walk away with some solid knowledge. But shit, let me tell you, FAFS, that whole 2016, that whole year, it took me through some wormholes. It took me through some dimensions of myself that I didn't even know were real. I thought they just they just existed in dream state, but uh, I was unlocked. My heart was open. My mind was freed. And I'm happy to say that those, those things have stuck with me. My heart is still so open. My mind is still so free. In fact, it might be too free. That's probably why we tangent so much in this podcast. Uh, but a lot of exciting stuff to explore and questions to be asked, not even to be answered, just more questions to be curious about. And the gift journey, the Grand Institute of uh, the, the Functional Transformation, uh, I had learned from Michael Hughes, the owner of Gymnazo, founder of Gymnazo. And he had gone through the FAFS, uh, GIFT, as they call it, in, I want to say, 2007, right before he founded Gymnazo. And uh, when he came back from this 40-week fellowship, basically, it's, it's mostly online learning, but you fly out to Michigan for uh, three times a year for a few days to... Uh, receive essentially uh, understanding of best practices to work with other people in the this gift community, this 3D movement community from around the world. I mean, talking Russia, Australia, New Zealand, China, uh, everywhere, and then and of course the U.S. and people from all over the states. And to be working with occupational therapists, physical therapists, um, even TV producers, uh, we were working with healers, energy healers, yogis, I mean, people from all over, and then trainers and other therapists as well, massage therapists that just wanted to have a better grasp of the truths of human movement. I didn't even really know what the truths of human movement were. Uh, I didn't even know what truth was until I went through gift. I was like, oh, that's the fucking truth. And so I'll share a little bit of that truth with you. That, that truth being that we live in a 3D space, right? We are a body, a mind, a soul. We are a spirit in a sense. We are vibration. We are the environment. As much as the environment is us, we are reflected in every single one of the people that we interact with and we reflect ourselves back out to them, out to nature and to the world. And we are antennas. 
Now, this didn't come from uh, this didn't come from Grey Institute, but this is kind of the realization coming to um, at this time in my life is that we are all receptive to different energies, um, mainly the people that we are closest with, and what are we what are we're consuming diet wise, uh, media wise. That's what we become. We are what we eat eats essentially. And in my movement, I was not moving truthfully in my experience. I was moving the ways I was taught to a condition to believe to train. Powerlifting, um, sets of eight, sets of twelve, sets of fifteen. No, there's nothing wrong with this. Like all these um, strength training, cardio training, like these fundamentals that come, you know, all the all the fitness concepts. Those are real things. Those are those are definitely studied uh, concepts that. We know that a certain amount of reps and sets and different loads in reference to our percent max can facilitate better growth and, and whatnot. But I wasn't necessarily taught the truths of movement. I was taught some principles of training that were more so strategies of training that turned into techniques. So what I was really working with was the technique side of things. I knew my bench press. I knew my cleans. I knew my thrusters. I knew my push-ups. I knew my pull-ups. I knew uh, the sprints. I knew the treadmill. I knew all these things, right? But I didn't really know it. I was experiencing it, feeling it, um, but not entirely knowing it. And I wasn't connecting with it. I wasn't embodying my movement. And there was a time um, in my in my high school days that I think I'd come to this realization initially um, but I was still trying to discover the truth for myself. And so I'll get back to that. But um, through GIFT, I essentially learned, yeah, the sagittal plane, the frontal plane, the transverse plane, the three planes of motion that we learn as the fundamentals in kinesiology. When I was at Cal Poly, pretty much any any physical sciences, you're going to learn those planes of motion or biology, you're going to learn those planes of motion. And I wasn't necessarily sure how they all interacted. I just knew that, yeah, all three of those are found in space, and those are three planes that we can focus on. But there's so many other planes, just different diagonals and lines that we can look at. But you can look at specific cuts. The sagittal plane splits your um, your right and left side of your body. The frontal plane splits the front and back side of your body. And the transverse plane separates the top and the bottom side of your body. Gives you a lot of chunks of your body to work with, right? But I didn't know what that meant for movement's sake. So through GIFT and through CFS and through Gymnazo, kind of this whole environment that fostered this growth, I could apply what I was learning in real time. I didn't have to like think about it, theor- theoreticize it, and, th- and then try to play it out. I could literally learn it, hear it, and then go ask an athlete to do it, and they would do it, and I would learn something from it. And it was like, this is real-time education. This is the realest transformation right here. So I learned how to do everything in three dimensions to integrate this simply. Like, think about your jumping jacks. What's a standard jumping jack, right? The wide, narrow jump switch with the hands coming over the top and hitting your hips. Well, that's a frontal plane out of sync jumping jack, as I learned it. One of six of the main jumping jacks. There's also the satchel plane out of sync. It looks like a running man, foot switch, and arm switch, like you're running in place. And then there's the out-of-sync transverse plane, which is toes in, toes out. At the same time, your arms come across and open up. That one is insanely challenging if you've never done it before. Try it out. Jump toe in, jump toe out. Jump toe in, jump toe out. Jump toe in, jump toe out. I'm going to say this until you try it out. Hopefully you do it at some point. But jump toe in, toe out. At the same time as your toes go out, open your arms wide. As your toes go in, cross your arms like you're giving yourself a big old hug. And then see if you can do that quickly and intentionally. Man, that threw me for a loop. Then try to step it. Don't jump it. Take away the impact. Make it G1 level. So learn those out-of-sync jumping jacks. Then the in-sync jumping jacks. Talking about in-sync? Yeah, this is real in-sync. You're going to be at a boy band concert doing these. 
If you do the frontal plane jumping jack in the in sync, your feet jump right, your feet jump left together, and your arms go that same way. Go, hey, oh, so when you jump to the right, hands go right, jump left, hands go left. You can imagine it, try it out, it's even more fun, now you're smiling. So there's your frontal plane in sync. Then you get your sagittal plane in sync, which is feet forward and back together. They jump together forward, they jump together backwards. And your arms go thrown forward and thrown high behind you overhead. So forward, back, forward, back, forward, back. And the transverse plane out of sync, excuse me, in sync. There's layers to this, by the way. We could have a whole podcast on <laughs> on uh, jumping jacks and mountain climbers <laughs> in three dimensions. Uh, jump right, jump left, like twist in place, and then let your arms go with your feet. Okay, so that's your six jumping jacks. There's also combinations of those. You can go sagittal plane out of sync feet with frontal plane in sync arms. You can go transverse plane in sync feet with sagittal plane out of sync arms. So I learned this as the disco dice. And if anybody old school gymnasio, you know the disco dice, we are bringing them back out in 2022. It is happening. We are getting the disco fever lit in this place. But essentially you have a cube, like a dice. It has six sides. If you didn't know, six sides. It's got four on the sides and one on top, one on bottom. You got two dice. One's a foot die and one's a hand dice. And all you write is SP. FP or TP, sagittal plane, frontal plane, or transverse plane. And then on two of them, SP, one's in, one's out. Another one, FP in, FP out. Another one, TP in, TP out. And do the same thing on the other dice. And now you roll those, and you got to react to those dice. This just became a reaction and coordination drill. What are your feet doing? What are your hands doing? What are they doing together? And then guess what was thrown on top? A tweak dice, the tweak dice. Sometimes it said single leg. Sometimes said no, 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 which means basically means just turn your head no very quickly. Spin it back and forth as you're doing the motion. Looks ridiculous. Great for the vestibular system. Uh, other things say single arm. Other things say add a load. But basically you're at three dice, and that opened up my world to the world of three dimensions. It opened me up to what the hell the matrix is. And all of a sudden... <laughs> I had Morpheus sit in the background. You could take this pill or this pill, and I just swallowed both. And it was like I saw in purple. I saw in six dimensions. I saw forward. I saw back. I saw left. I saw right. I saw rotation up. I saw rotation down. And my world was forever changed. I became a, a programmer in sense that I was programming workouts after that point. And man, where was I, you guys? Was I on Gift? Was I on Grand Institute? Anyways, I was shown the disco dice, the six directions of movement. Every single joint has it. Your ankle, your knee, your hip, your spine, your shoulder, your elbow, your wrist, your fingers, even your mind. And this holy trinity of movement in every single joint and including our mind and our spirit woke me up. I wanted to get this to the masses. I wanted to share this with more people because it opened up my movement and my mind. Again, my heart was free. My mind was free. Everything was opened up to such a level that I felt very connected with my environment when I was running. I felt connected to the people that I was working with when I was coaching. I felt like I could see things differently in terms of movement and not have to correct right away, but to listen to what somebody's body was saying without ever saying any words. It was just making noises. It was making um, shapes. It was making directions. It was making little flinchy things. It was shaking. I got to see a lot of these things happening in people's movement that a lot of times we just brush over and say, hey, flex your core, squeeze your abs, and look straight ahead. Don't let your knee pass over your foot. Which, hey, there's a time and a place for those cues and those those uh, tools, but if we rely heavily on those, our tool belt continues to be inadequate. 
And so what I was given through gift was a larger tool belt and tools to fill them and new ways to use the tools that I never even thought of. Um, this is one of those things you got to go experience it. I, I can share it through words and share my passion, but again, through MDMC course, you'll feel it. Through the Great Institute's program, you'll, uh, you'll embody it. And I hope you embody it through our MDMC program as well with all the, uh, all the work you do in the, in the three months that you're part of that course and then beyond in our Discord and our mindful, uh, or some, our movement collective conversations. So let's get back on track, you guys. It's always fun doing podcasts alone. Tangents up the yin-yang. All right, back to gift. So halfway through this year, I've already gone through one uh, one meetup in Adrian, Michigan, which if you've ever been to Adrian, Michigan, it's in the middle of nowhere. You spiral in from the airport, and uh, an hour and a half later, a van delivers you to Adrian, Michigan, Grand Street's headquarters. <laughs> and you meet all these really cool people. And so when I when I met these folks, you know, had some good nights drinking, good connection opportunities, talking about feet, talking about shoulders, just geeking out on all things movement. And it was absolutely extraordinary and fun. I've never been in such a group of um, nerds, passionate, playful, geeky nerds. It was awesome. Um, and especially work on people's feet. Like it's just, it's a weird, vulnerable place. But when you got people's shoes off in, in a building, you're massaging each other's feet. It's a big old kumbaya. Lots of love is shared and lots of knowledge is gained. Lots of wisdom is explored. Um, halfway through that year, I had been also training to coach our semi-private sessions, which are a little more, uh, you gotta have a little bit more wisdom to, to, to be in those sessions because you're working with four, potentially four athletes to one coach. And each person has their individualized program that's programmed by the person they had their one-on-one with. So I could potentially be coaching four people I've never coached before and have to understand and read the nomenclature, the terminology, and the not only the techniques and the strategies, but the principles behind these strategies that are unwritten but just assumed because they are truths of human movement. One of them being that we have three planes of motion and we can move each joint six ways. Um, not all joints want to move that way, but they can, they can certainly move that direction. So that's one of the truths uh, that came up and it, I had to explore quite a bit in my semi-privates. I had to talk movement and being part of this gift community really got me the confidence and allowed me to kind of branch out beyond what I thought I was capable of. I was exploring new territory, working with people who were, um, you know, out of PT, cleared to be going and doing training, but still have pains. Uh, people that just all of a sudden develop some kind of acute pain through training, a knee discomfort or shoulder discomfort, some tendonitis in the elbow, maybe some arthritis developing in the hands. And I have to problem solve with them to not say this is what you need to do, but more so um, I want to learn about your situation so I can provide you a better program. Uh, for your training. So the second half of this year was a lot of semi-private training and just understanding how to work differently with clients that are dealing with bigger issues than just um, general fitness uh, requirements. So kind of just thrown into the ropes there. And through GIFT, you, I, I learned, you know, we started like the foot, we work our way up the ankle, we work our way up the knee, the hip. So in these weeks that we're talking about these body parts, all of a sudden when we're working on the foot, everybody's got foot issues, and then we're working on the, on the hip. Now everybody's got hip issues. And then in GIF, we're working on the shoulder. And all of a sudden, people start developing shoulder issues. And really, it's just that's where my lenses were at the time, not realizing the whole body was connected and is connected. A shoulder is a hip, is an ankle, is a foot, is a spine, is a rib cage, is a brain. Like those are all very connected. 
And one thing that was instilled in me through Grain Institute is that we're working with proprioceptors, with movements, with essentially these things that are happening really quickly in the brain, in the body. There's communication happening that we're not even really aware of. It just happens. Like if I ask you to lift your hand up right in front of your face, how did you do that? How did you just tell your hand to do that? You're just like, oh, I just tell my hand to lift in front of my face. Yeah, but there's a lot of processes that allow that to occur. I'm thinking about if you're a little baby trying to do that. You can't just do it. You got to develop um, pathways and intentions and an understanding of you are your body, you are your hand. But sometimes we think that's our, that's our hand, it's separate from us. So during GIFT, as we're learning about each of these body parts, I'm seeing a lot more of what's going on in people's bodies, not realizing that I'm seeing it still only in parts. Somebody's got knee pain, uh, I'm going to look at the ankle and the hip. If somebody's got uh, low back pain, I'm going to look at the hip, I'm going to look at the thoracic spine. If they got neck pain, I'm going to look at the shoulder, I'm going to look at the thoracic spine. I'm going to see how these parts affect that area of the body without realizing that, hey, a left foot issue can be stirred up from a right T-spine, lack of rotation. And so I was learning how to see more globally at the same time more locally, see deeper into somebody's foot, ankle, knee, hip, spine, the potential of movement there and what we're gifted with, what they're currently able to do, and then why maybe their lifestyle or a big injury or something that's occurred has not allowed them to visit that space. Maybe they just need some guidance and some permission and accountability to visit that 3D space. And man, when I was approaching these last few weeks of, of Grand Institute Fellowship, last bit of these 40 weeks, I felt so empowered and inspired and I wanted to share that with all my athletes and we were making groundbreaking results. I mean, like people were getting out of pain that they were in for 20 or 30 years in their low back, that they, they'd been to specialists and doctors and told they need surgery and then they have a few sessions and all of a sudden their back pain's gone. It's like, did I do something? Is it something special I'm doing? Or is it more so the vision and the sight and the intention behind what it is that I was doing? And a lot of these questions came up, these insights came up, and did a lot of journaling and reflection and tell you what, Gift was one of those big game changers. Grand Suit still, everything that they release is so powerful. Um, even diving deeper into 3D maps, the three-dimensional movement analysis and performance systems, uh, it's, a, it's a movement assessment. But looking at those six dimensions, those th actually those three planes and those six ways it can move in each joint relative to a lunge and to a reach and seeing how their entire body is integrated or lacking the integration and lacking the connection. So you've never had the opportunity to get a 3D maps from a coach at Gymnazo, please schedule that. It is such a powerful learning opportunity, not only for you, but also for the coaches to see more bodies and how they move. We get to do it every day in our warmups, but to have that one-on-one -on -one experience in a 3D maps is so uh, encouraging and powerful and the depth of knowledge and understanding that's required to see what goes on in 3D maps, it can't be expressed in words. You, it's got to be felt. Um, but it's powerful. If you want to chat about that and you got more questions about 3D maps, let me know or ask somebody at Gymnasio who, ha who has had a three-dimensional movement analysis performance system screen. So Grand Suit, they have that 3D maps. Uh, we do it also through Gymnasio. And through our MDMC program, we address that quite a bit. But uh, those were big, pivotal moments in my life that kind of set me up for success uh, with where I'm at, at Gymnazo. Basically, after that, took over director of programming for all of the programs um, and developed a way to make that more of a smooth process. So every quarter is brand new workouts for it. Literally every single day has different exercises with different equipment, but all based off of principles and strategies that turn into the exercises, which are the techniques. Principles include stuff like uh, 
you know, our ob observational essentials that we apply. Uh, proprioceptors turn on movements, turn on, or movements turn on proprioceptors, turn on muscles, turns on our bones and moves our bones. It's not just muscles move our bones. We got to actually get some proprioceptive input in there, some movements in there, some exploratory things in there to level up. Uh, things that make you better at running, better at balancing, better at throwing, better at pushing and pulling and lunging and squatting, all those uh, little intricacies like, oh yeah, I lunge, it hurts. Well, maybe you're just lunging unintentionally. You're, you're taking a step, but you're doing it um, more inefficiently. We'll teach you how to use both sides of your body, both sides utilized. The Bozu effect coming from WEC method. Learned a lot of cool things from them the past few years. Uh, Landmine University, Alex Canellis. Gosh, those guys are, are so epic. I could do a whole podcast on WEC method. In fact, we'll get David WEC on the podcast very soon and we'll break down my experience of WEC method qualification one back in 2019 because um, that was a whole other level of experience too that allowed me to integrate my 3D knowledge into more locomotion based principles. Wow, awesome stuff. Um, to a point where Basically, I went there for a weekend, came back, and I cut about five minutes off my best trail run time. Like I, I let you, I'll let you know, I, I don't run uphill very quickly, but I run downhill very quickly. Well, when I got back from Weck Method, one, I ran more fluidly uphill, more efficiently uphill, and more badass downhill. Like You should just see me coming down like a wrecking ball. It was intense, but cut five minutes off of a two-and-a-half-mile um, circuit there, or, or a, a trail run, and that's big time. Big time on my end. I'm not all about the PRs. Actually, that's a lie. I'm always about PRs. I have a couple hundred PRs. Some of the PRs I've never revisited. That's basically me of saying that uh, I explore a lot of movements and I max out in some of them and I never revisit them. Maybe because they're scary. Maybe because it was I, I got what I needed out of it. Maybe because I totally forgot it. So go back into the archive and uh, we'll, we'll check those things out. But PRs are awesome and I hit them very quickly. Um, with my running especially and throwing especially uh, with Black Method. So thank you guys. Man, if we want to go back deeper, I don't want to take too much time on this podcast, but um, there's more stories to be shared. That was just my gift journey and gymnasio journey. Um, but what I really want to share is kind of how I ended up in this realm of fitness and in training because and in movement uh, and flow because I never really had the intent to uh, be a trainer. I was an athlete through elementary school, high school, and um, my junior year of high school, I was a wrestler. My junior year of high school, I was plagued by a pretty nasty injury early on in the year that uh, just didn't let up. My left shoulder had, had strained something. Wrestling, wrestling you know, I was cutting weight at the beginning of the year, wrestling real hard, lifting a little bit more weights, and... I think may have just overstressed my shoulder a little bit. I have no idea really what happened, but one day it just hurt and I couldn't really use it. And in practices and stuff, I was team captain, but it's tough to show some drills and techniques with one side, like my left arm, the good plant arm that I use and pulling arm and setup arm. And I couldn't use it. I was like using 20% my left arm and like 180% my right arm. <laughs> and I made my right arm fatigued and tired and it made me my whole body more tired because I still had this left arm, but I had to protect it. I felt like I had a pulled muscle in my shoulder or anytime I tried to pull somebody that my shoulder was going to fall off or anytime I got pulled on, it was excruciating pain through my shoulder, my arm, my neck, my head, and I just dealt with it. It was fucking horrible. I mean, 
it was rough. It was so, it was, I was in so much pain that I, I would go and hide, like just hide my pain for a little bit. I'm like, fucking damn it, that was so nasty. And, you know, you just like kind of grit your teeth. And you're just like, oh man, I'm going to throw up or something. That was so, that was so intense. So yeah, I'm, I might be exaggerating this, but this is pretty, pretty nasty. So wrestled the whole year. And uh, my, my plan was to go wrestle in college, wrestle at Cal Poly and, and kind of develop myself as an athlete in that realm too. But this man, this injury was so nagging. And I hadn't had a ton of injuries in the past. I've had a little knee stuff. I've never, never, never even broken a bone, you guys. Right? This was like, dude, what's up with my freaking shoulder? Just the muscles are so, always so tired and painful. It's tough to wash my hair in the morning. Push-ups weren't very happy. Pull-ups weren't very happy, but I could do them. But again, my right side got really strong. My left side got pretty weak. Throughout the year, my my dad was also my one of my uh, coaches. He said, it's all mental. And that quote still sticks to me today because it is all mental. I made it through that damn that whole year with a freaking sublack shoulder, wrestling at a pretty high level and uh, never reaching my full potential with wrestling. But I feel like I was reaching my potential for what needed to happen at the time. Cutting weight, wrestling up. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Uh, but my dad would pull my shoulder back into place. So I'd be in a match, like middle, middle, middle way through a match. Oh, my shoulder. Cah. All right, dad, grab my arm real quick. Pop, pop, get it back into place. All right, I'm back to like 40% left arm. We're good. But if it gets nudged a certain way, back down to 20%. If that, I just have to hold my arm in place and shoot, score, and scoop with one hand. Slam. I could do it. I could do it. I was pretty good. But, man, I was really like overexerting myself and could not hang with the with the good dudes. Uh, so fast forward again to the end of that junior year, um, postseason meant to do really well, ranking, ranking pretty high in, in the division and we'd be going, uh, potentially to state, you know, it's a pretty big deal in California. I was looking forward to it, but, uh, in one match, arm got caught underneath, went to pull my arm out and score around the side and my arm got stuck, pinned underneath a knee. And man, when I went to rip my arm out of there, my shoulder popped internally, I felt my body, my heart, my mind, my gut explode with pain and agony. And I just let go of him. I put my arm down on the mat. I laid down on the mat on my back, and I was like, just please finish this. I am done. I'm out. There, there was no turning back. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Got wrapped up, um, ice and everything in the shoulder, and basically got the MRI um, a couple days later, x-ray, and basically just full dislocation. said that I probably sublexed it quite a bit during the year. It just goes in and out of place. No wonder it's been in so much pain. Um, I, at this point now, my shoulder is completely shredded. Uh, my bicep was down in my elbow pit, basically, so they had to pull that back up and in. And, uh, yeah, just pretty bad labral tear. And uh, recovery was going to be 12 months. A wrestling season started back up in four months, preseason. And I was like, ah, oh, man, I got six months at least to build up into this. The doctor said, don't wrestle anymore. Um, you're done. Chances of you damaging this are going to be pretty high when you go back to the season, even if it's six months from now. Just be really cautious and careful. Um, probably not going to have full strength regaining that arm for a few years. Definitely not going to wrestle with it. Uh, definitely not going to lift weights overhead um, anytime soon and probably just going to have some limitations the whole rest of your life in the shoulder. And I accepted that to an extent, but I was like, all right, wrestling season's coming up. I'll give it six months. I'll be back. Um, and then I get a sling. I'll just get back to, to building some strength. But man, was I humbled by this experience. Um, it made me question everything. And I was 17 at the time. And I was planning on wrestling in college, going to poly, doing all these all these things. And I, number one thing, I didn't want to let my dad down. I didn't want to let myself down. I didn't want to let my team down. 
And so I was, stuff was weighing heavy on me. Like, man, maybe I shouldn't wrestle anymore. Man, like, what's that going to look like if I go to college and don't wrestle? Like, I put my put all this time into doing it. What's going to come out of this? So I was afraid to tell my dad. I was afraid to answer it myself for for me. Like, what did I really want? And so I started questioning, well, what do I want? Do I even want to wrestle anymore? Am I just doing this because this is what I've done? And it just makes sense. And uh, well, told my mom, hey, like, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to wrestle anymore after this. Like, I think I'm done with injuries. This is this set me back pretty far, and I don't want to hurt more, and I don't want to be injured like my coaches and elders have been in the past, where they can't even throw a ball, they can't lift their arms overhead, or they've got a bum hip. Like, it just, I don't want to live like that. I want to live to be a hundred plus and still running and still jumping, still doing the stuff that people say, oh, just you wait till you get to be my age, which I totally get it. You guys, I, I have a lot of respect for the elders. And I'm not calling you old. I'm calling you elder. You're wiser than I am. You've been around this earth much more than I have um, in this reality, at least. And so I'm going to respect what you have to say. But I also know that you're not, you weren't doing what I'm doing at uh, this age. I'm in my 20s. Now I just turned 29, reflecting on a good another year around the sun. And I'm so happy that I have my movement practice. I have my community to support me. I have my meditation practice. I have my earthing. I have my sun gazing. I have the ocean. I have... I have a lot of past behind me to continue to build a beautiful future. And so I also thank everybody who's shown me their path in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, even 90s too that I'm coaching. And it's just inspiring to see where you are and your journey, your path right now, and to be able to have the the, the ability to reflect on where how that what that means like to me what's it what it means for you to be 70 and in pain or you to be 80 and running and happy and what does that mean to me and my practice and how I'm gonna carry myself so thank you all for being part of this part of this journey um, but back to my my shoulder surgery um, basically a few months went by my left shoulder got my left whole arm shrunk deflated my right arm got stronger and bigger and I became this lopsided strong right arm, weak-ass left arm kind of dude going back and do some preseason wrestling stuff. Running was really hard. Washing my hair was really hard. Reaching my head, reaching just to scratch my face was really tough. And then I'd flinch or something, or I'd, I'd turn really quickly, and all of a sudden I'd get this big, sharp jolt down my shoulder and back. And it was just, I was constantly being reminded of my limitation and kind of hearing the voice of like, this is never going to be the same again. This is kind of how your life's going to be. And And I had no big positive re-encouragement inside of my head. It was just like, hey man, just get through this, just get through this and keep pushing, keep working. This will get better. And that voice was that voice was getting louder and more joyful and more exploratory and curious um, about life. And I said, um, before wrestling season started, I was like, I think this is going to be my last year. I told myself that and that felt right. Next part was to tell my dad, and I uh, told him, hey, man, I don't think I'm going to wrestle after this year. Like, I'm going to wrestle senior year, see how it goes, take it really light. I'm not going to cut weight. Like, and I just felt really empowered by my words. And I was like, oh, man, what is he going to say? And he said, thanks for sharing that with me, man. That's, that's, like a, that's, a, that's a tough decision. But I see where you're coming from, and let's see how this year pans out and not make any uh, permanent decisions. But uh, thank you for sharing that with me. And it was a big moment because um, my dad wasn't pissed at me. At least he didn't show it. <laughs> and I totally, totally have so much love for the guy. And I know he's got a lot of love for me and, and is very happy with where I, with what I've done with my life and where it's going. So thanks, Dad. And thanks, Mom, for encouraging me to tell Dad. My gosh, you know, so easy. Just if we talk about things, don't get so caught up in them. 
get out of our head. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thank you guys. And uh, thanks for listening to this story because it's not really a sap story, but just it set me up for the road of discovery. And uh, when I made that decision and told my dad, I felt so many shackles shake free from me. My heart, again, opened up and it was like, oh, I have power I to decide over how my life can go. Meanwhile, my left arm is still really tiny. My right arm is still really big. And I had some exercises to do that the PT was saying to do and I did them and they just didn't feel right. So you know what I did? I went and tried the best push-up I could do. It hurt. I didn't force more. I went and did a hanging pull-up, not even a pull-up, just hanging from one arm and the other arm. And I started to integrate some swings and some throws and then some light wrestling. And I felt like I was slowly, gradually progressing out of this pain, though it reminded me off and on that it was still there. Left arm started to get stronger, right arm uh, balancing out. And I wrestled the year with, you know, not cutting any weight. Wrestled pretty good. Didn't do any big tournaments throughout the year so I could wrestle postseason, not injure myself. And I'm happy with the decisions I made because though I may not have had the best wrestling uh, performance-wise that year, that was the most satisfied I ever got from my wrestling experience. I was in it. I was plugged in. I felt like I was really there, you know. And uh, it just felt right. Felt right to explore and to play and to, to treat practice more like play not for the sake of I'm going to be the best college wrestler out there, um, but to I'm going to make myself better, be stronger, and learn about my body along the way. And I couldn't put this all into words at that time. I was just living as an 18-year-old would, um, exploring my, my creative freedoms and uh, the freedom of about to head off to college. And so I chose kinesiology at, at Poly, said I'm not going to wrestle, just I'm going to enjoy my college experience for what it is. And boy, am I so happy I did because came in as a first year uh, kinesiology major and explored the the rec center that was just being built and finished. And I had this studio space. I had machines. I had an tr indoor track. I had powerlifting downstairs. I had this beautiful spot upstairs. There's outdoor stuff. There's a pool. There's volleyball nets. It was like, this thing is immaculate and it's built right for me. You know, wake up early, get up early, go to work out do what I knew, and then I'd go to the studio and take out like six pieces of equipment, probably a lot more than that. I made a mess in there, cleaned it up obviously, but a medicine ball, a weight plate, an ab roller, um, a couple dumbbells, maybe um, a bozu ball, and just started moving around and doing stuff that felt like chain wrestling, but it wasn't really wrestling. It was like shadow wrestling. And that's how I started to develop my movement practice was I was shadow wrestling with weight. I was shadow wrestling on an ab roller. I was shadow wrestling with a weight plate. I was sh shadow wrestling with uh, the bozu and stepping and working stability work. And little did I know that this was setting me up for what was to come in years future at Cal Poly, taking us right back to the story of the internship and getting involved with that. But what really put it all in the stone was, um, this probably how I'll end this podcast too, is I met my wife at Cal Poly, and we line danced all the time. And so I had this rhythm already established, and, sh and maybe a few more drinks is what uh, what really helped to get that rhythm. So occasionally I'd do a, a workout with a beer. And let me tell you, it's a great freaking idea if you like beer and you like working out. Put those two together, don't get lazy. It's going to be a damn good beer and a damn good workout. Obviously, there's layers and limits to that, so be careful. But uh, every week, I would invite my, not wife, she was my friend at the time, 
not even a girlfriend really, just uh, some, somebody I wanted to make my girlfriend, you know. I was trying to do all the right things. I invite her to come work out with me. Let's see if she's got the, the, the fight, the power, the warrior in her. And she did. And not only that, she could listen and she would allow me to practice coaching her. The gym now is a warm-up as I was learning it. The 3D maps, all the lunges that we learned, that whole warm-up sequence, that's a lot to memorize as a coach to, and to also process who you got in a class. And so to have one person that I really cared about, it was like I was, I was learning how to t- tell a speech, um, but I didn't have any uh, any cards or anything, you know, any anything to go off of. It was just off of memory and videos. And so I'd take her through it, see if she felt the things I was feeling and what we developed was this relationship where I could see stuff, she could feel it, and she would tell me what she felt, and I could tell her what I saw. And then in that, I started to develop my way of coaching, which is basically not to tell you exactly what to do. It's to understand that if I give you a, a task or a challenge, a movement skill to, to practice, and you do it, that exercise now just became a test, and I could analyze all the parts of your body your ankle, your knee, your hip, your spine, right? All the way up your shoulders and also your intent, but also the tension that you were feeling with the intent that you were practicing. And if those didn't match up, I now had a bridge built to helping you discover movement freedom. And uh, so Jess, thank you so much for being there for all these years, uh, even before the dating, just coming in and working out at 6 a.m. I know that's early for you, (laughs) but uh, to just be open and to learn these things and to be open to express how you feel about them and to help me develop as a coach. I really think that's one of the biggest, most important pieces um, of this story is that my wife has been there for this entire gymnazo journey. Um, CAFS, Grant Institute journey, still alongside me. And now she's writing her own workouts and with nomenclature. I'm like, you could basically be a gymnasio coach, Jess. You know that. <laughs> so hopefully she's listening to that. Um, but yeah, I, I really appreciate all the people that have been a part of my life and have supported me, the members at Gymnazo, the athletes that come through these doors, the coaches that have been through Gymnazo's doors and set the stage. And now I'm standing on the shoulders of the giants that you were and you are. Um, those who have left, you guys are still here in spirit. Those who are here right now, you are heavily holding the torch of Gymnazo and moving forward, pioneering this whole movement. Um, so thank you all. Thank you all. Thank you all. And Gymnazo for this space. You're not even a, uh, a person, but you're an entity. You're a being of some kind, Gymnazo. And your walls express so much support, so much joy, so much community. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to the future years ahead and to more storytelling and hopefully y'all have not fallen asleep you're star inspired and stoked on life Um, if i'm going to leave you with anything go take your shoes off stick them in the earth there's a lot to be learned there and at sunset or sunrise stare right into that sun you know you want to it's lovely disclaimer if it hurts don't do it but if it hurts consider why it hurts and maybe dive deeper so y'all i hope you enjoy uh, listening and stay tuned for more and you're able to squeeze every ounce of juice from the fruits of this life peace welcome to the Janaza podcast where you get to peek behind the curtains of what it takes to create and run a seven-figure fitness facility that ranks in the top five percent of boutique fitness studios for revenue but to be honest that's the least important thing about us 
founded by me, Michael Hughes, Gymnazo has created an ecosystem of services that blend performance with restoration techniques and attracts top coaches to its facility. Hosted by its owners, Peyton and myself, and our top coaches, this podcast shares our best practices on everything from how to build a sustainable fitness business to how to program for maximum results to how to build a hybrid training module that's online and in person. We have marketing secrets, movement innovation, and breaking down trends in the industry. If you're a fitness professional or a fitness business owner, this is where you learn how to sharpen your skills and to see maximum results.